Welcome to Third Shot Podcast, where we share our passion for pickleball and bring the community together. You can find more about us on our website at thirdshotpodcast.com. We also have all of our episodes and blog posts, so don't forget to check it out. You can also follow us on all of our social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook at Third Shot Podcast. Oh, and YouTube, so go watch us there. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter at Third Shot Pod. So wherever you want to find us, we are there. Send us some messages and take a cheers with us. Yes. I'm ready to cheers. take a cheers. I've got a, I've got a, a coffee. <laughs> Toast. <laughs> so do I, actually. Look at mine, though. Reeve and everything. I'm not like oh, I got these hardcore coffee drinkers like the two of you. I got the espresso yeah. thing going on here. Yeah. I'm, yeah. About 15 minutes. Nice. <laughs> I'll be I'll be all in here. Yeah. <laughs> For people on YouTube, I mean, Bridgie's just having a killer hair day today. Oh my gosh, no. I showered and what? like it's so fluffy. I think it's the humidity that it's not used to. There's a little bit of moisture in the air today. It's just everywhere. I keep like messing with it. Making Bridgie, uh, the, the lesson that I will give you in life is respect every hair day. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell Sometimes me it just goes away. <laughs> Might be easier that way. <laughs> oh, it totally is. I, I was talking to somebody because I, you know, like it was, you know, like the hair was thinning and then I just decided, I don't know, like you, I was, I was hanging out with Greg, uh, you, you know, uh, like about when I did this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's just like, eh, I'm going all in. I'm, I'm shaving it. So I just went all in and instead of like the thinning and all that stuff, I just went for it. And it was like, I don't know. It was nice because all of a sudden I had like 15 extra minutes every morning or 10 extra <laughs> minutes every morning because I didn't have to like wash my hair, or like dry my hair. Like it was, it, it, it's so much easier. So I don't know if you want to go this route. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I would not have to buy shampoo or conditioner. Exactly. So many exactly. so. saves so much money, right? <laughs> exactly. And so exactly. much time, you know, in the shower and you know, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but Rush, you do shave your head. Yeah. Does that yeah. take a long time or is that no, something it's like once a like once a week I'll just go through and do the little shaving thing. It's okay. it's not long. It's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I mean, it's quick. If right. if I keep up with it, if it's if it grows a little too long, then it takes a long time, but uh, you know, there's always a hat as well that I can right. throw on. So. <laughs> so have the two of you been playing some pickleball? I have, believe it or not. Not a way. I know. I know. I've, I So I actually, I did I did go out with uh, my wife. It was her first uh, a, a attempt, as, as we'll say. Uh, okay. She did well. Um, uh, what she really got, because, you know, she like would, would play tennis with her dad long ago. So mm-hmm. what she got early is hit the ball to this side of the court and then hit it to this side. Cause you know, I'm going to make uh-huh. us run back and forth a bunch. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, so yeah, we played, uh, and then, you know, my, my son was there as well. So we sort of like demoed the back and forth of like how to like as best we could do it as, as far as how, how to play. But you know, one thing happened that I, I wanted to talk, talk about on, um, my son hit the ball kind of hard one time. Um, okay. He just, you know, like whatever hit it, like trying to get to it like dive almost like diving for it to hit it and it went high up bounced and then went into the court that was behind us right i'm like oh shoot that's that sucks because we're over here we're goofing around we've got somebody that's brand new their first time playing me i'm still you know 
I believe I'm level level point one now. Um, Good job. Yeah, yeah, I've graduated. All that practice. Um, Yeah. And so you know we're just screwing around, and then we've got some serious people playing doubles on the other side. I did notice though that there was a little instruction going on over there, and I think some of them were new as well, and they were you know trying to learn. But the ball goes over there, and it lands sort of on the side by you know like not like right at the net, but like a little little close to the net. And I was thinking, because when this has happened before, was somebody would just on that court just go and, you know, pick it up and toss it over. They didn't do that. I'm like, well, I don't want to leave a ball sitting over there on their court, so I feel bad. I'll just go walk over there. I waited till they were done with what they were doing. I walk over. I said, oh, hey, sorry for this. Sorry for interrupting. You know, let me just grab this real quick. I ran over. I grabbed it real quick. And I left. Again, apologizing. They said nothing. They didn't look at me. They didn't acknowledge me. They said nothing as if I wasn't there. And what? it wasn't even like they were angry or anything. You know, like there was no like, oh, this jerk coming over and you know, into our court or, or come on, you know, or like nothing. And it was huh. almost worse than, you know, like if they had yelled at me. <laughs> like, <it> was, <laughs> then I would have known. Like it, it just felt so weird and awkward. And then I'm playing across from these people for the next half an hour, an hour, whatever. And it was just so weird and awkward and kind of icky. Yeah. Is this just me? Was it like a fence? Was it a fence dividing the two? Just a small, a small fence. Oh, so you can like see them. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like a, a, it's probably a, I don't know. I mean, I could, I could step over the fence if I really wanted to, you know, like it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a short fence. It's uh, two, two and a half feet. That's kind of odd. I mean, it's, 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 you know, when you're playing pickleball and there's courts next to you or behind you, it's common that a ball is going to go into your court and you just stop play and, you know, you say, okay, well, you know, take the point over and you give the ball back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never experienced something like that before. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. I mean, we talk so often about how cool the pickleball community yeah. is and all of that. And then I see this, I'm like, is it me? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe because they were new too. You said that there was instruction. There was some training on, going so on maybe, over there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe they also felt like, well, am I supposed to get it? Or that's true. I think they were insulted that they knew you were a co-host of Third Shot and you didn't bring them shots <laughs> when you went over there. Oh, that was it. Yeah. That, so that they were kind of like, "What's up, Russ? I mean, right. you're Third Shot. You should be bringing shots over if you're going to come into our court." Or maybe it's that we recorded one of the episodes right before and uh, the situation isn't as I remembered. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the whole rudeness thing, you know, and and temperament. I I do run across people that have temperaments, right? Where they're Mm -hmm. kind of grumpy and, you know, and it makes me kind of think back, you know, like, back in the day when I would play tennis, like McEnroe, right? When you mm-hmm. think of attitude mm-hmm. and like, I don't want to upset anybody, I would hate to hit a ball into McEnroe's court. I right. can only imagine how he would react. Right, well, because yeah. I, re- yeah. I watched a video of him playing against Agassi and, you know, he still got that attitude, right? Yeah, well, actually, uh, you sent me that clip. Let, let's let's go ahead and share it. Uh, let, me, okay. let me see if I can do this here properly uh, for those of you on audio you'll on, you'll he, hear this he as well you to call score what she wasn't finished calling her score she and i wasn't ready <laughs> not go there. courtney johnson is allegedly in charge of this match no, no, no. until now 14, 12. 
It was 13-12. And I just won the point. You did. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I mean, he's got his way and he's still upset. There'll be a freeze here, so. How do you argue that? Come on! What happened? So it's it's game she point said nothing. for McEnroe. He got the point. Now said play a let. I, I appreciate oh, we're that. we're not so playing a let? It's the first argument I've won in 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. But I, I, I don't think he was playing it, so I don't feel right. I know this is, you know, I don't okay. feel right about it. Oh, that's good. Okay, well, that's cool. That's cool. So, Russ, oh, can you imagine if you hit the ball into John's court? Oh, man. Yeah, that would be bad. The tirade. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, what would he do? Chuck the ball back at you? I don't know. Throw I mean, his he, paddle? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he did some pretty interesting things back in the day, didn't he? I, I, I yeah. 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 He, he there's was, a fan, uh, just, just a little side note. There's a fantastic documentary. I think I saw it on either Showtime or, or HBO about John McEnroe and his life. Um, highly recommend watching it. it it's fascinating. I, I learned a lot about him and his personality yeah. and his relationships um, from the documentary. So it was really cool. Okay. Let's check that yeah, out. And I think I just heard also that John and, and um, Andre and I think Maria Sharapova and then Andre's wife, um, Steffi Graf, are actually going to be playing a mixed doubles pickleball match oh, in really? 2024. So that's going to be exciting to watch as well. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's so cool that these that these names are coming back. You know, it's like mm -hmm. these are the names that you remember. Like every, you know, like I think everybody knows those names. Of, <laughs> yeah. Know? So it's kind of cool that these these uh, celebs are uh, coming back and, and now jumping over to pickleball. I think that helps even get more people to know about pickleball. To have I, this, I absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Kind of like the, the topic we were talking about the last episode where gambling may help more people just kind of learn about pickleball. Mm -hmm. The, the migration of famous tennis players uh, over into pickleball is also, you know, bringing a lot of attention to the sport. Not that it needs a lot of attention because it's like the fastest growing sport. I mean, it's a huge thing going on right now in the right, world, right. but every little bit does help. And luckily we have a guest today that has made the migration over from tennis over to pickleball. We have Jonathan Medina Alvarez, joining us and when we come back from break um he can tell us his story of why and how he made the evolution from tennis very high level competitive tennis over into so come on back and join us on third shot podcast welcome back to third shot uh, please remember to check us out on all the podcasting platforms like youtube instagram Facebook, Spotify, Apple, we're, we're all over the place. Just look up uh, Third Shot Podcast. The only thing that's different is on Twitter or X, as they call it now, at Third Shot Pod when you're looking us up there. Before the break, I mentioned we have, oh gosh, this guy has a resume. Jonathan Medina Alvarez, pro pickleball player, instructor, tennis player, author, uh, we got a lot to get into. So welcome, Jonathan, to Third Shot. 
Thank you for guys for having me. I'm extremely excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. And to kick it off, I think we should do a little toast to all oh. of your accomplishments, both tennis and pickleball. Thank oh, you. That is a drink. Right. I love that. Got the martini going. Yeah, I think when I turned 40, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go martinis from now on for a while. Good choice. Clean, <laughs> clean living right there. Correct. Just, yeah. Yeah. But is it vodka or is it, uh, what kind of martinis are you drinking now? It is a vodka. It's extremely dirty. You know, as a Latino, I, everything that I do has too much passion. So I cannot do something <laughs> blend. It's got to be something really aggressive. So Love that. that's how it is. So in um, our first segment, we were talking and we were watching a little video of a couple of tennis pros, Agassi and McEnroe, and kind of the, the little back and forth banter. And you being a professional tennis player, I was wondering, are you able to tell, like when you go up against a new opponent, is it immediate where you're able to identify, okay, this person has definitely played tennis before. And if you are able to identify it, what is it that gives it away? Well, yeah, yeah, there, there's there's some traits that, they, that tennis player has that are unique, you know, uh, for the way that they take a backswing and the way that they do the movement around the court. It's really easy to see it um, from the first two shots. Now, when you play a pickleball, that doesn't mean that that player is going to uh, represent uh, a threat to myself when I'm playing because I think pickleball, in my opinion, is, is more than just hitting a shot. It really needs to come down to decision-making understanding how you're going to uh, portray yourself during the transition and going to the kitchen. So even though you have a lot of tennis players going into, into the sport because it's an easy transition, I think that at the same time, tennis players need to uh, update themselves to be able to play pickable, especially in doubles and in mixed doubles. I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to play singles right off the bat. And, you know, for me, it's just like I, I view it as playing ping pong on top of it. So everything shrinks, but then I have a paddle and a ball that actually is, is different than the one that I use for tennis. So I try to be humble enough to understand that even though I have, or I was a high-level player, that doesn't going to help me to be able to um, play at the same level because of the difference of ball, core, decision-making, and, and paddle. So you were obviously a very accomplished tennis player before you got into pickleball. Tell everybody a little bit about your tennis background. And, you know, we showed that clip of McEnroe. Obviously, you're younger than McEnroe, but did you ever get a chance to meet Johnny Mack? And, you know, was he somebody you looked up to as a tennis player? Yeah, well, um, you know, I'm from uh, I'm from the 80s. So when I, when I grow up, uh, you know, most of the players that I were up during the time was the Agassi, the McEnroe, the Brad Gilbert, you know, the Boris Baker. So I get so obsessed about them. Because I, I thought that at that point in tennis, every every individual was so unique. You know, you'll see the moving of a Baker serve and yeah. you'll see Macro serve or Andre Agassi return a serve. So, and the style of attitude inside and outside of the court. So for me, that was kind of what drew me into the sport. Um, and I started playing around 10 years old. I couldn't play uh, sports with other people. If you didn't pass me the ball playing soccer, I'd be like, okay, why am I here? So tennis allowed me to be the gladiator that was going to get into the Colosseum and either, you know, kill or be killed. So for me, that was such an excitement to have. So during my my first year playing tennis, I, I just became obsessed and, and I 
basically beg my dad to take me every single day to train. And when I couldn't, I would just look for any side, any any place on my house just to hit, hit it against every wall, which it, it got me grounded a bunch of times because it's like, <laughs> hey, you should not be playing tennis on the kitchen. But I'm like, I got to train. So um, that sells of discipline. So you were hitting really the ball in the kitchen before pickleball was hitting the ball Correct. in the kitchen, right? <laughs> this, is just, this, is just, this is just coming back in a circle for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that a lot. Um, I, at 12 years old, I told my mom, I want to be a pro tennis player. So I realized that I'm at, at my country of origin, Venezuela. I, I needed some, I needed more exposure. So my parents decided, yeah, okay, where do you want to go? So the idea was um, invest in the biggest countries for tennis at that time, which was Spain, United States, and Argentina. So I, I was sent for years to learn the different styles of game. So if you needed me to go to the United States and learn how to be able to be a servant volleyer, how to be able to have a strong forehand, run around, be aggressive, but then he t they take me to Spain to be more physical, be able to have an ability to play longer points and then to Argentina to be able to play more of a changers, drop shots, you know, be able to be more flexible in different, different scenarios. So I built myself to be able to play at the highest level. Unfortunately, tennis players require a lot of money to be able to play. So during my growth, you know, it became um, a financial um, decision that at some point, I can tell you that roughly my parents and plus my sponsors pay around uh, half a million dollars from the first day that I started playing to when I started playing. It's a really extremely expensive sport. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever get any experience meeting Johnny Mac or? Uh, yeah. So um, after my career, I decided that, that I have all this knowledge. And I think that um, I always believe that you have to give it back you can't just keep it to yourself so when i decided to come to the united states i wanted to open an academy i wanted to give back to the community and during that time i was able to um, gain uh, a lot of access to to really important people in the community and at some point it was a, an exhibition down to what i was living which is orlando florida and i can see i'm sorry it was john mackerel it was um, Jim Courier, Andy Roddick, and James Blake. They were all playing. Wow. And I know Andy from when we were juniors, and, you know, it was good to, you know, uh, reconnect with him, say hi, how I was doing. But at the same time, John McEnroe for me was the idol. So I had all these tennis cards back from the 90s that I've been saving. Uh, hopefully that at some point one of these guys will sign it for me. So I didn't hesitate to ask him, hey, John, can you sign this autograph for me? And he's like, Kind of you cannot be serious, but then he, in, the, in the in the in the in the end he, he did it, which um, it, it really was uh, amazing. I mean, I have it here. I'm hoping that in the next thirty years is gonna be something that I can leave back to to my son, so he understands the the beauty or or being passionate about something in life, which is I think is important for everybody. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah. And you are quite the accomplished professional tennis player. When did you decide, hey, now is the time to kind of switch gears and start learning pickleball? And what prompted that for you? What was your first look at pickleball? Um, in 2016, I was doing um, a master of tennis for the PTR and a couple of friends in Boston said, let's go play pickleball. I have no idea that was pickleball at the time. I thought it was playing just mini tennis. And that was my first glimpse. I was taking out of the ball inside, outside of the kitchen, surfing and volley. I have no idea about the rules. <laughs> then, then after that, you know, I went back to tennis. I did all my stuff. And then around 2021, after I went to college and, and graduate, I decided what is gonna, what's, what's next for me? 
and my best friend, uh, Maria Lopez, she's always been behind scenes with me and say, hey, you should get into CrossFit. Hey, you should get into go to, go to college. And and then she's like, I'm saying you have paddle. I need you to stop playing pickleball. And I was like, why? Well, because you're bored. Because you just come from work all day. And I can see that you have this necessity. So go, go and play with this paddle. So she gave me a paddle. I went to a local place. And I put my paddle on say, hey, I'm ready to play. And, you know, after 10 minutes, it, it was just, I was just back in time. The, the feeling of, of holding a paddle to be able to move side to side to, to, to have a winner and I was hooked. Um, and, you know, I started coming regularly every single day trying to learn the sport because in the beginning it can be a little hard for somebody to keep count. And I was always, you know, losing points because I was just serving without waiting for somebody to call the score first. So <laughs> kind of like what happened in the Agassi McEnroe uh, clip right, that we yeah. had, right? Agassi, hey, they didn't score. They didn't call the score yet. Anyway. And it still happens, guys. It still happens. I've been <laughs> done that almost every tournament that I play at the pro level, and you know, um, a lot of a lot of humility to be able to not lose my mind when I'm like, I should have waited for that person to call the score. What am I doing? But um, <laughs> it's just different. Um, I guess. Well, well, how long did it take you from the time that you kind of put that paddle in your hand and you went out and played on local courts to actually getting to the level where you were playing pro tournaments? So during that time, I was playing for fun. I needed I needed an outlet. I needed something to get me out of, uh, the, you know, the corporate American mindset. Uh, I needed something for me. And when you come from having an academy or calling, uh, coaching at college when you have 24-7 tennis and then all of a sudden you're not playing anymore, you can do it for a little while, but then you starting feeling this urge. Okay, who are you right now? So I felt that I needed to identify again to what I was, an athlete. So um, when I started the first week of playing, at the same time, I was writing a book about um, something that I wanted to give back to close my chapter of tennis player, which was a methodology for tennis players and parents to be able to know, okay, so if my son is here, how can I track the data to get him to the way he needs to be? So I created something called the uh, SDA, which is a sport data and agility, which allows anybody to be able to know from the first day, track the data where you are, work through your goals, physical, um, emotional, um, tactical, technical. And then from there, set up your goals and slowly work through those goals based on a cycle of three weeks or so know what you need to work on. So before I published my book, I said, I'm going to see if I, this makes sense. I'm going to do it all myself starting today. And I'm going to do this for 10 months. And my goal is to play the DC tournament that was in the PPA. It was run around October. So without telling anybody, I sit down, I created all my data, check the process, understand how to play, understand how to count, things, drops, drives, earnings, ATPs, everything. I put it in a big board. And I start putting it on progress and working and test them and see if the test will, will, will apply. And finalize at the month number 10, I was playing the first, the second round of PPA against Tyson McGovern on TV. And we were one game up, one game all, one game all. So I was Whoa. like, wow, so it really works. And I was playing with a, with a fiberglass paddle. That was a two-year-old paddle. He's playing with the latest equipment. But just, I was able to, answer the question that I have. Can I play at the house level of pickable? And that was the answer that, that I could. So from there, um, I kind of be like, maybe this is for me for a little while and, and, and take it day by day. 
super impressive. Right. That is so impressive. And the fact that you were able to apply what you were just writing about for tennis to pickleball, that just is proof in itself. Yeah, so I have for it right people here. Listening, who may be interested in purchasing this book to up their either tennis or pickleball game, or maybe just anything in their life that they have a goal set out for, where can they find it? Well, you know, it's in Amazon. The, the, the name of the book is Result Generate Results. That was what my dad told me when I was ten years old. He said, "You want to be good, you got to put the time in. You can't, you can't ask to accomplish things if you didn't put the time in, the work in." So the book, what it does is allows you to know. From my experience, playing all around the world during 15 years, all my struggles, so you know that you're not alone in this journey. I felt the same way that you're feeling right now when you go into a court and you're like, what happens every time I go to the kitchen? And when I'm playing for Enric, I'm having a great time. I never miss a thing. And then I go to matches and I'm, I can't miss more than two, I'm missing things every three shots. Why? Because it's an emotional thing that you're going through. So the book will allow you to ask the right questions to yourself so you can find those answers. And it's a quick, quick read. It's like 130 pages, but in the end, it gives you templates that you can start training yourself and say, okay, for example, that is one that it calls um uh retrospective so you finished your game and you say okay what did i do good today and then you answer that question what did your opponent do good today and when you keep asking those questions you're going to find all this data that then you can use it to set up your next next training and i think that's really compelling because everybody's obsessed with this sport i am obsessed i wake up at 5 30 in the morning to go and play pickleball because then i have to have my full-time job so or i have to train at 11 o'clock at night because i have a wife and kids so but at the same time, every minute that I'm playing, it needs to count. And I cannot just go there and play and think that I'm going to have different results if I don't have a process in place. And that's what I, I am trying to change the mindset because the sport is so new, so raw. And right now, we don't have a, really a path for us. You know, we grab the paddle, we swing it left and right. It hopes it goes in. But as you get better, that's when it gets hard pickable because it's hard to master. It's really good to start, really easy to start. But then when you want to be able to reset enough times like Ben John does, then you need to put the time in. And it's not going to happen by just playing hours of rec because you don't work on your craft. You're just playing. There is no stopping and say that this makes sense, that that didn't make sense. So that's what the book is about, to give everybody a chance to really work on themselves. That way you can be a better partner, you can be a better player, and most important, you can be accountable for your decisions because, you know, I think that that's the way to grow. It's fascinating, Jonathan, what you're describing, because Russ and I also do a business podcast called DIY for Business. And a lot of what you're describing really is the same as in business, right? Kind of doing these short sprints to accomplish Correct. certain goals, having a process in place, so that you're reaching your overall goals that you know you're trying to do for a company you know basically your pickleball career is kind of your company and uh, you know you're kind of laying out the roadmap of how to accomplish and, and get to the highest level so there's a lot of synergy between what you're describing and what we do talk about in our, in our business podcast we got to take a short break but when we get back i want to talk a little bit more about the pro pickleball game and kind of where it's evolved to at this point, because it's, it's happening fast and there's a lot of change going on right now. So when we come back, we'll have more with Jonathan Medina Alvarez, uh, talk a little bit more about the pro pickleball game right now. Come on back. 
Thanks for sticking with us. We are back with more Third Shot Podcast. Today we are joined by pickleball professional, tennis professional, instructor, author, Jonathan Medina Alvarez. We ready for our third shot. This is uncle's favorite shot. This is my favorite shot. The third shot. I look forward to the third shot. (laughs) Both on the show and on the court. That's uh, my favorite favorite shot. So earlier, I I mentioned before the break, you know, the pickleball, the pro pickleball game especially has really evolved quickly, right? There's this whole PPA thing, right? There's two different leagues. There's contracts being signed. There's a lot of money that's being thrown at a lot of players nowadays that, um, you know, really the, the majority of the professional players didn't see. Um, up until very recently with these new contracts. And I'm wondering from your point of view, is it kind of changing the personalities and the responsibilities of the players that are at the, at the highest levels? Well, you know, uh, when I was playing tennis, I had contracts and, you know, I have to learn the hard way that when you sign an agreement, you have to stick by it. And the important part is to stay true to yourself. You know, you sign contracts because you're trying to get it in a, um, something back in order for you to continue to play. When I started to play professionally in tennis, I needed the money to travel. And it's around $60,000 a year to be able to just travel, coach 20 to 30 years, uh, 30, 20 to 35 weeks out of the year to be able to travel. So that's going to cost at that time, 2012, $60,000. But the return of investment was around 7%. So a lot of people don't understand is when you go and put all this money in because you have a dream, you have to be able to be mindful of what the implications will be. That's the reason why I went to college at 36 years old. Because when I was 18 years old, I was top 20 in the world. And they told me, you should go pro. So I went pro and I played for you know 10 years. And then when I got out, I had to start from scratch. I mean, some players can make a lot of money. But the average player is going to have to have a plan B. So looking at the, what pickleball is becoming now, that three years ago, before COVID, not a lot of people knew about it. Now people are signing all this contrast and all this money. Um, it is important to really understand what, what that comes with. And it comes with a price. And the price is, you know, living on a suitcase your entire year, like I have to for so many. You know, to not be able to come home from six weeks at a time, uh, be able to have a lot of pressure on winning and losing because that's going to give you bonuses. It's going to allow you to put food on your table I know what I felt and I know how hard it was for me to know that I needed that much in order for me to continue traveling because my contract says you need to have this type of ranking in order for you to have this type of money. So I understand all that. Um, The sport is still raw. A lot of players are trying to redefine who they are, what is their brand, how they want to be present in in, in the eyes of the community or on the industry Um, locally. I'm 41 years old. So the good thing about my age is I already lived that life. And when I go into the industry, I know exactly what I do I have to be mindful of, which is my process. I'm playing pickleball because it's an opportunity for me to continue to be uh, competitive at the highest level. I still have a wife. I still have a full-time job. I have a newborn, but it doesn't mean that I cannot be an athlete as well. And that's one of the things that I encourage the industry to look at as well. Because right now we're trying to get players that are young enough so we can make the sport younger. But we cannot forget 
that if you have the skills and you have other things, that should be valuable too. Because if you take a look at the data between the age of 40 forward, that's the majority of the people that are playing pickable. Right. So I am more close to identify with a lot of people out there that a guy in their 20s that a lot of people right now are not there in the sport yet. It might it might happen, but not right now. And it's not it's not it's not uh, a sport that you can think that is cheaper. You know, for me to sign up for an APP PPA, I gotta pay five hundred fifty dollars per tournament. So if you think that as a business transaction, you do that for ten tournaments, you're putting five thousand dollars on an investment that if you don't win any matches, you have zero return of investment. So I see it in a different perspective. Now, my advice to everybody out there who's playing the pro and signing all these contracts is to be able to have a path because if you don't get those those results, what happens next? And I like to be able to have an ability to be flexible in order for the sport to allow me to play and feel good, not to be something that I am overwhelming about because when you don't win, you don't get paid. So what happens next? How can you sustain a family? How can you sustain a mortgage? So all those thoughts, I think that it will be nice for somebody to come out there and speak about it. Because right now what we're talking about is the signing people, but you know, what does that look like in five and 10 years from now? That's just my, my, my perspective. Yeah, and you kind of took, well, from what I've grown up learning is like, you go to high school, you're playing sports, and then you kind of reach this point of like, are you gonna continue on with that sport? Or are you going to kind of leave that behind and focus on college and kind of what the next career step is? What advice would you give to some of the younger players who may be thinking at this point in their life that maybe professional pickleball is the way for them to go? Well, you know, when I was 18 years old, I was top 20 in the world. I was top 20 in the world when I was 18 years old. So at that thought, at that moment in time, it never occurred to me, hey, go to college get an education, you pretty much will get it for free if you come to America. But my dad said, you know what, you're top 20, I think you can make it in the pro tour. I'm gonna ask for a loan, I'll give you the money, you go play. And that's how we did it. So I went and played, and then the first year I was owning $30,000 on a bank just because I wanted to play, and I only was able to reach top 800 ATP. So every single year, my goal was to continue to get better ranking in order for me to continue to have the opportunity to be able to play. Now. I have to go to college at 36. And the reason why I went to college, but a lot of people don't know was when I stopped playing pro, the only opportunity that I had was to was to change to have a job as a tennis coach. Now, when I went to college and I got a magna cum laude as a business and with a concentration in um, cybersecurity and, and data um, analysts, I have no job opportunities because my resume has zero experience. Wow. Even though I went to college and I graduated in three years, I have zero. So the only way I was gonna be able to get a job, which I did was by sharing my story that certain aspects of my self-discipline, passion, you know, work ethic can be translated from an athlete to a corporate America. So my afraid is somebody goes and say, yeah, I wanna play a pickable for four or six years because of the dream, which I'm okay with it and then it doesn't happen, they're gonna try to go to their workforce and then there's nothing gonna be on that page. When we have, and what I know that every year in America, millions of people are graduating from college. So that's the, that is the hardest thing to 
be mindful of what happens when I make this decision, how that will affect me, my overall lifestyle in years to come. And, and part of the transition for you now is like, how do you collaborate with other companies and, you know, who are you going to partner with? And one of the companies that you're collaborating with is Pelo. Tell us a little bit about Correct. that. Well, um, you know, um, during the transitional plan pickable, I realized that, you know, I need to get more into what, what the paddles are about, what the balls are about. I needed to submerge myself into what is this new sport and, you know, looking into opportunities to partner with the paddle company, uh, Pelo uh, came came to me and said, hey, you know, I, I love your passion. You come from tennis. Let's have a conversation and see what we can do um, to have a win-win uh, situation. And, you know, they were uh, really open to allow me to navigate the journey of what will a paddle will look like from somebody coming from tennis, which was a selective player who came from having a style that is really aggressive without a spin, how can we translate that into creating a paddle that will maximize your potential? And that was a beautiful journey that it took us around six months until we were able to put our paddle in the market, which is the PX Vamos. I was allowed to have a Spanish word that is the one that I used to push myself the most. And it's been a beautiful journey, especially when you go out and and you're playing in a tournament, you see somebody using your paddle with your name. It's such a humbling experience because you know that it's part of your who you are in that battle because the time that it took both of us to come up with an agreement, how can we put a battle out there that is coming from a perspective of a player for the player, which I thought it was really meaningful. But not only then, they'll be amazing to me. I'm right now having an initiative that I call La Cocina, which means the kitchen. This initiative came from a conversation with a good friend, Jose Bravo, because we were looking at content for pickable and it was only in English. And I said, but what about our culture? What about the people that speak Spanish? They need to know more about the sport. What can we do? So we came up with an idea, said maybe we need to do some educational videos in Spanish. Maybe we're gonna put ourselves out there to show them that eventually the sport will reach uh, you know, South America, Central America, and, and, and we wanna give them the tools for them to start learning this beautiful sport. So La Cocina came to place uh, and we've done amazing things, partnering with other pros there speaks the language so we can keep content to all our people in in the spanish speaking community that's amazing and so can you give us a little update on how that's been going has it been well received yeah so um a couple months ago we were able to do uh, a pickable day at the marlin stadium we doing a game between the marlins and the phillies we were able to have a pickable core we got we went out there we provide a lot of knowledge about we were doing free clinics and we were partnered with the PPL with players. We played a little bit of exhibitions. Annalie Lee Waters was there throwing the first ball. I was cool. next to her. It was just amazing. But more than that, the goal is simple. We got to give back to our community. As a pro, that's your responsibility. If you're not able to stop and say, you know, the reason why I'm in this position is because many people are able to lift the sport and bring it up so I can have an opportunity to be on TV and do great things. That is what I tried the most because it's going to be a point in time that I'm no longer going to be able to apply, but I'm going to be able to see that that will, can be carry on. And then in seven, 10, 15 years, you can be like, wow, I was able to do something tiny that it now it makes a big impact in not only my community, but the community of Pickable overall. 
Yeah, and I think you're doing that with your book and, and your website. Tell everybody a little bit about your website. Yeah, so the website is the JM Max, and I, I put the Max because my my name is so long, so the Medina Alvarez experience, <laughs> basically. So let's call the Max. And and basically, um, I'm a firm believer that if you have knowledge, you have to give it away. So what I, what we do or what I do is basically, um, if you hire my services, you're gonna come into my world. You're gonna do exactly how I live my life. So basically, 5.30 in the morning, I'm expecting you to be, let's go. We're going to have two, two, three miles. We're going to run for three miles. And we're going to talk about what the journey is. And then, you know, we're going to create this amazing setup for you where you're going to feel that everything is data-driven. Everything is set up for you to be the best you can be. But you're never going to be alone. I'm walking next to you. When I'm telling you we need to do certain things, I'm doing it with you. You're not doing it alone. So I think that that's the beauty of the coaching Sometimes coaches are asking things to players, but they're not willing to do it themselves. I, I love the, the, the fact that if you were wa watching Rocky Three, Apollo knew that the only way he was going to get Rocky to learn how to move and dance, that he needed to provide that himself. And that connection for me is what I'm trying to do with everybody that I coach, that you're not doing this by yourself, that you have me sweat, tears, right there next to you so you know it can be doable because I believe that the sport, the sport is great, but the sport requires respect and dedication and discipline because it is not easy. It is harder as you move up the levels. A 3.5 player and a 4.5 player, that gap, it is, it, is, it is substantial and you have to be able to move into a natural and organic transition in order for you to continue to feel empowered to learn because I'm still learning every single day. Every day that I go on the pickup, I'm learning something new from that positioning to my emotions, to my technique. And that's something that it, it, it makes me want to wake up in the morning every single day because it's something that I, I in tennis, I kind of lost it. Um, but now with, with pickable, that sense of, of joy, oh my God, I did my first earning, or oh, I'm doing an ATP. That's something that, that it's just, it's just magnificent to feel. That's amazing. Uh, I admire your passion hugely, and I think you're doing so many great things for the pickleball community. So for those listening, please check out his website at thejmax.com. Also, if you're interested in purchasing his book, um, which is called Results Generate Results, you can look that up on Amazon. So many ways for them to reach out to you and to also kind of get that spark underneath of them and ready to improve their pickleball game. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure having you on our show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for everybody that's listening, you know, um, my biggest advice is just to stay connected and stay through yourself. You know, you're going to have ups and downs, but that, that willingness to be able to want a little more, and that is, that is a gift. And I think we all have it. We just got to continue to respect it. So thank you so much for having me. All the best to you guys. And this is an amazing show and I'm excited to be part of it. Oh, thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. And uh, I really, uh, you know, connect with a lot of what you just said. And, um, you know, I, I really do appreciate everything that you shared with our audience today. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank you, uh, all you pickleballers out there, for joining us on Third Shot today. Richie and I will continue to share our pickleball journey. Special thanks to Jonathan Medina Alvarez for joining us today. Great story, real passion, and please go check out his website, thejmax.com. 
uh, go check out his book on Amazon. I'm sure that'll help you with the process and help you elevate your game. And, um, you know, continue following us on Third Shot Podcast. We'll uh, have a more amazing guest just like Jonathan in future episodes. So let's continue to share our enjoyment of the game and let's grow this pickleball community. See you next time on Third Shot Podcast. Thank you.